Good afternoon to all listeners of the NDC Heartbeat Program in the Trial and State of Grenada, which includes Caracol and Pity Martinique and indeed all our dependencies. Our program time today is from 12 through 1. Today I'm pleased to be your host and my name is Terry Forrester. For today's program, we are pleased to present to you excerpts of the Grenada Public Workers Union panel discussion on pension and gratuity, a constitutional right. We'll also share with you excerpts of an interview held with Mr. Ali Dowden, the interim caretaker for the Northwest constituency. That's your program for today. Very informative content coming up. Drink some ginger, where your man Use sanitizer Squeeze lime in a little honey Add turmeric to boost your immunity Where your mask is the best thing Where your mask keeps sanitizing So when you're ready and you feel okay Take your vaccine right away This has been a public service announcement From the National Democratic Congress All are we Yes, all are we Anyone, everyone Anytime. No standing in line. Five dollars you could afford? Thank you very much. You have a little more you could spare? We're so grateful. Go to ndcgrenada.org. Click the blue donate button. Select the amount. Select what you want your money to be spent on. Click next. Flash your card. Then flash a smile. We're grateful. Thank you very much from the National Democratic Congress. Putting people first. Here now are the excerpts of the Grenada Public Workers Union panel discussion on pension and gratuity, a constitutional right. Members, I go the mindset at the start. We could speak for months on the pension and gratuity issue. Um, time is not on our side today. We do have to hear from another panelist. Um, we ask persons to open your questions. At this time, we will hear from Brother Nichols and we'll come back to all of our panelists again. Brother Nichols. You know what Sister Sister Gemma Bean and Brother Grimes and Brother Brissard just said, something that always always scary them, and it has been part of my life. But you know what is so much disappointing to me is the way that our country become because of employment. No. I will start with myself first. Start with myself. I, I went, went to National College, which was farm school at the time. From farm school, school, it took me straight. I then applied and brought me into the system by the Ministry of Agriculture and Agriculture. It has called a new program that is to train young people how to farm and do food. That came to the heart when there was an invasion. And so I made clear service. The entire government got approved. We had a couple of fellas on the board. It took them eight months. 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 It took them eight Design, design, just to make work for street. street. And when you get and when you get for street, you get scared and turn So I decided, well, I will leave them alone. And I, I want to tell you that there are so many suffering Sorry. after pension. After pension. Yeah. That, that, you know, all what we are saying here, 
you can feel it. There are some workers that you do are just kinder than the girls, but they are the girls. Because after Ivan, remember, some of us we had a good time with the family by sixty years. We will finish paying loans, so we now what? But many of us are tricked by insurance, you know. We have this big excess and low premium. So when hurricane come now, we can't claim nothing. So a lot of us have to refinance. And by refinancing, we put ourselves into some further debt. Now consider that. Now you retire. You have bank to pay to continue paying for maybe three, four years sometime before you get yourself out of that woods. Now, I don't understand how some people make it. I know it's tough for me. You have to work at twice as hard as when you was in the public service. Mm -hmm. Twice as hard. And I give you a typical example of myself. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, in particular, I went to have some sweet potatoes. And I could have done maybe about 200 pounds for the day. Me alone. Somebody called me and said they wanted an extra pound. By making the effort, I pull a muscle. They still give me. They just to tell you, under normal circumstances, I will tell you person what. You know, but I will leave that for next week because I'm tired. But I need the money because I still have a lot of commitments that are mostly. I don't want to be on the street tomorrow. The bank sell me out. And it brings me back to the point of the administration. I mean, when I look at the people who run in the country, and I start from St. Andrews. When I look at the ministers, and I, I see the one ask myself, well, many of them are church going people and claim they following Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Now, did Jesus Christ and know what a man for justice? Did Jesus Christ and know what a man who had love and understanding? But these people, every Sunday and Saturday, they in church knowing. That they agree not to give their own brothers and sisters pension. They are dictators. Could you imagine these people after they take away our pension? They sit down and they say, Imagine Greta is a couple and they are for we alone. Could you imagine these people after sometimes six years? You know, they get two pensions because sometimes they go and make a election in three, three years. And then another three years again, they're still getting two gratuities, $80,000 each, and they're getting a pension for life. Okay. I mean, come on. Many of these people was in the public service. Most of them had passed through the system. They know how it is for us. I mean, this is not politics. You know. This is the normal life that we live in our community. These people see us every day. We vote for them and we think that they are the people who understand. You know, it does hurt me to hear people say, Keith Mitchell is the problem. How one man could be the problem in a whole country? You know, I can't ask, accept that. And that is the problem, you see. When they crucified Christ, he was looking just as it was one man. Well, it wasn't one man. It was at that time a nation. A nation. You understand? And these are the problems. Watch. Let me tell you something. There are some of us. They work with the state together with me for 10 years. 
You know, the government realized that you have to give them something. They call them in and they tell them, watch, you know, we're going to send all you home. So we've got to give a contract, you know. They just take these people and they put them on contract. How much years do you think for one year? After that, without giving them nothing, you know, they leave them floating. So they give a contract for one year and then every month they give you a salary and you're afraid to speak. Because our nation, everybody's seen how everybody in trouble. And it makes people afraid to speak. It's not that they don't want to talk to you. But our people are back into slavery. But we're not understanding that this is a form of slavery. And it's time for our people to talk about our people who we put to represent us that we not stop. We have to change the focus. We have to pick on them. I mean, I can't understand how you could have your heart knowing you get up in the morning, you take your vehicle, you're going to get you're going to set wherever you put it up at gasoline. Mm -hmm. At the end of the month, you have this other ones, you have that. You know to yourself that we all have been working together and you're in that position and you can help. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that this nation need help. Not just the workers, with the whole nation in trouble. I mean, because if, if this, the, 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 the people in charge cannot understand that we put them there for relief, and they cannot understand that they are pressuring us and not releasing the pressure from us, what are we, what are we thinking? And this is my, I was my concern as well. How is people that go sleep in the night and laugh and talk and they know? It's not that they don't know. They know. Yeah, some people, they call it, they see them and advise us to the minister. I mean, I'm more stuck about it. So I am leaving big congregation. You understand? And they're going to see them call in the morning. Advising me, so I can say, Madam Minister, in, in Jesus' name, help the people know. You know, they just can't say that. I, you understand? These are the things that have become so every day. I cannot be in a position like that and cannot say something for people. And that's why I'm calling on these people just to have a change of heart. He said, let's forget about what is going to happen in the court. But how about change out and say, no, it's time for we come together and change the nation. So, brothers and sisters, I mean, I hope you all understand my point of view. I, I didn't write anything. I like to speak from home it is, the environment, everybody's I'm home. And the amount of people are calling me and asking me, well, where do you that pension? What are going on with this? People just afraid to come in the public now to say anything. Because anytime you say something, they put in politics in it. You know, you're you against this minister or you're against that. You see that? That has nothing to do with it. Your brother is, your first cousin might be the minister. Your auntie son might be the permanent secretary. We are our one little village. So that is my point. So I hope you are, with these few remarks I made, I should be close in 10, 10 minutes. But I hope you understand. From, you understand there is a lot more I can say, but I try to narrow it into 
the issues of the poor man, the real man on the ground, what he feels. Thank you, Brother. And our sister, a pensioner who has retired with no gratuity and five years now. Tell us your name again, sister. Sister Sandy. And she's always here whenever we have meetings. Um, brothers and sisters, I looked over at Brother Pear, I looked at the panelists, I looked around the room when Brother Nichols was speaking. And we were all moved to tears. And Brother Nekas, you only spoke for 11 minutes and 47 seconds. You didn't go much over the time. But we were all moved to tears. And I don't need to reiterate anything that you have said today. But what we know is that we are hurting. I we hurting members. This nation needs help. This nation, workers are bonded into slavery. We are working and we are living as a nation, as a people in a democratic society in faith. And as a union today, we are proud to hear our retired member who hurt himself conducting life as a farmer, not as a hobby, in his retirement after having served this country for 36 years from his youth. But as someone who has to do it to earn a living and to not end up on the streets. And he said to our sister today, I heard myself yesterday, but I'm coming back. And we thank you for coming. Because you represented our plea and our fighting in a way that we all felt. Thank you, brother. Brother Bristol, are you taking your leave at this point? Or are you remaining with us? I have an appointment, but I see it to hear um, Brother Nichols. And um, I agree, I, mean, I understand the sentiments. The truth is, if, if I may just say it, it's not just the public service who's getting links in. It's all wrong links. There's a disregard for institutions. There's a disregard for rights. There's a disregard for law, there's a disregard for order. There's a disregard for equality of treatment. There's a disregard for the right to have opinions. And it's true, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this thing, something I said a few months ago, we're all living in fear, I went public and I said so because I had to open up, because too many people are having it too hard and cannot speak up for their rights because they can be victimized. You know, I can't victimize on the basis, but I really don't care because I can't put it for my people. I can do it, and I can do it for others, that's why I do it, because I, I have a responsibility to do it. But there are people who can't do it. And, and we, are, we are in a, a dictatorship. And it is not healthy for a nation, as a nation, as a society. But it is not healthy for us as individuals and our families. It's really shameful. And as Brother Nichols, I really don't know the, 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 the cure. It's, it's really gone very far now. It's the worst I've seen it. It's worse I've ever seen it. You know that next Thursday, July 16th, on Thursday, he will be representing all matter along with um, attorney at law, Kajitan, who was in the court, the pension and gratuity matter goes to court. We should not be going to court. We should not have to be fighting with our government in a court for our rights. Attorney at law, others Ferguson as well. So these three lawyers together will present a case on behalf of all three unions. 
Public Workers Union, Grenada Union of Teachers, and the town. Thank you so much. Um, this was a very emotional segment, but it is how we feel. Grenada, we are pained, and we want, we know that you are pained along with us. And we have to fix this pain that we are feeling in our society. We now go back to our panelists. And before we go back to our panelists, Sister Marcel Belmar, this had her hand up at the very beginning. Sister Belmar, we'll try to take your question now. Sister Belmar, are you there? If you have a piece of me, unmute your mic and ask your question. So the, so the, the question is, um, how legal is DPA to assign contract to workers? And I asked the question, let me just say why I asked the question. Now I've known persons in the public service doing continuous work for over 12 years, doing the same work in vacant PSC positions. And these persons have been appointed just recently. So the appointment say it started last year, but they have given up to 12 and 14 years in the service. Um, how do the employer account for those years of service before the appointment? Thank you, Sister Belma. I mean, there are any questions. This is a general audience. I say the department of the administration as a government would have a responsibility. So we cannot question that. The issue, as Mr. Pistol said earlier, is that you have an established public service, you have established provisions that should be filled by public officers. Appointments by the Public Service Commission, but they are being given contracts and so forth. This will have to be addressed. But if that is a government policy directive, it is difficult to address it at this point in time. But it creates an opportunity of work for this amount of years, and now they are being appointed. It is not only happening now. I recall when I was um, here in the Ministry of Health, we had a number of security um, drivers, orderlies, and so forth, who always included that they were working like in the 80s and they got appointed in the 90s and so they became disenfranchised. So it's not a new occurrence. And in addressing it, we need to go, go back in Thank you, Sister Jane Thomas. Thank you, Sister Belma, for that question. Today we have touched the tip of the iceberg on so many matters. And Brother Grimes, we hand over to you again. You have about five minutes, but we know you may take some more. Yeah. Um, so much, so much to digest. You know, so much, so much emotions. You know, and a lot um, but I might thank you for that presentation because I think you summarize the best you can in a short period of time the pain that we are seeing. As president of the union, I'm seeing a lot of injustices in this country. 
I'm seeing the there is an attack on the public service. There is an attempt to destroy the public service as we know it. And in that attack, our citizens are being hurt badly. They are badly being hurt. Now look at it from the context that in 2018, salaries were docked in December because people were marching for the said pension rights. They wanted a gratuity. They wanted a better gratuity. But I might summarize why that gratuity is needed by most. Sickness, mortgages, and so forth. And when workers stood up for their rights, they tried to instill fear and ripped, ruthlessly ripped their salaries apart in December and then sent out <coughs> Christmas messages and speaking about the Christ child in that same month that they did that. Now, what I'm seeing here is systemic oppression. What we are seeing here is a system designed to make everybody poor, particularly public servants in this country. When you deny pension and you just give contract work. We are facing situations, right? I'm not going to call names at this current junction, right? Where the DPA, by directive by, by, for whom I don't know who is given the directive, but this is what is existing. They are telling people, forgo your years of service and sign contracts. This is what they are saying. So if you're working 15 years, 18 years, they are telling you, forget about that, and sign a two-year contract. Does that make any sense? And this is policy. So here we sit in the trade union, not necessarily speaking about legal rights. What we would like to know, what happened to the conscience and the morality of those who govern this country. Why are they doing this to us? The pain is on display. They are not listening to us as workers, as trade unionists in this country. And something has to be done. The beast has to be awoken. We have to stand up. There is the element of fear among us because we see what they do. They, they are ruthless. They're docking salaries and whatever. But I can say this to you. As a trade unionist, right? As the appointed leader of this organization for the time being, who holds the baton, all the benefits that we see or we experience in this current dispensation, it came off of the blood, sweat, tears, and fearlessness of our forefathers. Now, we can't drop the ball with this pension matter in no way, shape, or form, because this is what happened in previous generations to a degree, I have to be frank. You have situations where there, we cannot be a caste system anymore in the public service when once they will, I establish a use contract, I better than you. We have to come together. We are one family within the public service. So we see um, maybe people in the past dropped the ball because they have secured their pensions and they did not bother with the pension disqualification act. And as a result of that, the successive generation has paid. We cannot do that. We have an obligation now to fight, and we're gonna fight on the legal battleground on July 15th when we have that hearing, when we have three, a dream team of three legal luminaries in Jimmy Bristol, Cajetan Hood, and Ruggles Ferguson fighting for our rights. But as I said in our media speech, we will fight anywhere. 
We will fight anywhere, air, ground, sea. So we'll fight in court. And if we have to take it on the street, we will take it on the street. Whatever numbers come up, because we have to represent for this current generation and for the generation to come. And this is my mandate as a trade unionist, not just fight for me or fight for the current um, generation, but fight for the future of the organization, fight for the future of the public service and those who come after us, you know? So without staying too long, and this is where I'll end for now. Brother Grimes, you did not stay long, 528 seconds. So, I'm very right? Yes, yes. And uh, I spoke mm -hmm. about the recommendations from the commission. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, like 2011, it was a national symposium, I think many of you remember. Yes. On pension, mm -hmm. where the findings of that report was presented and some accepted. Following the symposium, a report was submitted to cabinet, cabinet appointed a committee. Mm -hmm. I chaired that committee. Mm -hmm. And the committee was to look at the recommendations and to have <coughs> dialogue with interest groups and to submit a final recommendation for addressing the pension situation. Mm -hmm. And we did make a recommendation. We had numerous meetings. We obtained legal advice. One of the advice was from the then SG, Mr. Dasher Randani, who was the attorney general at some point in time here. And then we got a proposal from cabinet to engage the services of a pension and actual planner. So as to move forward with a recommendation for a country returning pension. So while we're looking at re-establishing the legal rights based on the constitution, we also have to recognize that numerous reports have indicated that it is unsustainable to continue to have a state pension being paid solely from the fund or taxpayers' money. It's not sustainable. If you look at the annual budget, you will see the amount of money every year, every year, that is allocated just for pension and benefits. And so we should not be at this stage today because we in July 2021, 10 years ago, we had the symposium and we had that decision. However, there was no and so we are back to square one. And being, being back to square one, we must recognize that pension reform is necessary. Notwithstanding, everyone's looking for the legal aspect, the restoration of pension, but pension reform, as a realist, pension reform is also necessary. And so any pension scheme moving forward may require a contribution from employee and employer. And based on the recommendation from the ECCB report, you'll be contributing to two schemes, NIS and the, the, the government or state pension. 
So in your retirement, will you receive these two spirits? And put together, you may just have sufficient to maintain a decent standard of
that this government, this administration and this country is doing. The amount of money, which I'm, I think is on inside $400,000, that is peanuts compared to the monies that is dished out on other things and on other people in this country. You deserve what you want, the judgment that the court has given you, and more than that, because you are forced out of your job, you are forced into early retirement without a gratuity and pension. And you have persevered in that fight, and indeed we have, we as a union, we have championed your cause every opportunity we have spoken about it. And we are still with you until you receive your money from government. And um, we would want to hear from Brother Nichols again. I want to remind persons that we have some refreshment for you. Please do not leave without it. And we also need to give you some information on the upcoming March and Rally and concerning our pension and liberty matter. Yes. So, Brother Nichols, I just want to recap a little bit. Um, as Sister Gemma Bain Thomas has said, and I want to reiterate you, we at the union level, we are aware, we understand that the pension in the way that it was administered before is not sustainable in the overall good, for the overall good of our country. We have understood that and accepted it for a long time, which is why even when we clamored for constitutional rights in 20, was it 2013, when did we sign this unfortunate MOU? What year was it? 2018. We signed to receive a 70%. Although we knew that this is not what the constitution said, because we understood that it is not sustainable. We have also seen all of the studies that have done over the years. Between the 2008-2013 period, an actuarial study was also done by the sitting government. And they actually presented a framework within which workers could be, that money could begin to be collected and paid to workers, even now in a way that does not unduly impoverish society. When, when the current administration came into office, they did not follow through on those plans. But what we have seen, while as you trade unions, we have said over the years, we are willing to pay. We are willing to make contributions towards our pension. What we have seen is that every election cycle, the government of the day comes to us with a gimmick about pension. And once the elections are over and you're in a happy place again, they begin to fight us again. And unfortunately, as Brother Grimes said, in 2018, it was so sickening when to add insult to injury, they even took away our pay because we strike, we took strike, strike action for those of us who are retiring as paupers. And as Brother Nichols said, we don't want to call them beggars, but they are beggars. They have been reduced to beggars by the administration. Brother Nichols, we hand over to you again. What is that? Gemma Bean has said about, you know, pension reform. We workers already understand that. But how could you tell me you want pension reform for workers while you're increasing the pension of the politician? Mm -hmm. No, these people have never tried to honor the issue of pension reform because we would not be in that world we are here today. But because they have no consideration for the nation, that's how I see it. Because come and tell me, you, 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 you heard and you mentioned the problem you said. You tell, tell us, look, boy, we're willing to pay, but in your money. But in turn, you fool in your pocket and give us nothing. So how do you expect our people to survive? I mean, that is the big question. 
So the issue in workers is some sometimes they try to make it look like workers to understand what happened in the country. We all know what happened in the country, and we need to fight this thing as one people. We the workers don't really want everything for ourselves, get that gratuity and nobody ain't get. I don't think that's how workers think. Workers want to see because if grandma money, sister, being have technically I'm able to sell something in them and I have something too. So you see, when anything happens, is a multiplying effect you have in the country. So everybody is going to get a little bite out of it. You know? So that is the real issue. So the issue is not about people who want, because we know the different category of workers that we have that does not really get nothing. They are more than the public servants. Mm -hmm. They are plenty, plenty more than the public servants. I mean, we are not here to talk about the private sector, but the private sector is using government attitude towards us to <coughs> pressure the workers. You know, I could tell you there are companies because government are treating us well. They, they send the workers home during, during COVID and give them nothing and don't call them back. Sorry. And nobody speak for them. Some of them, they give them a little $2,000. And they say, we, when we're ready, we go see what happened. Nobody say nothing to these people. So that is why I tell you, the whole country is in a real mess, you know? And that these people need to just open their eyes and realize that one day they would have to answer for it. They would have to answer. So brothers and sisters, we can probably fight. This is a fight, not for us anymore. We drink water already. But the people to come, the young, the youth behind, we cannot continue to install fear in them. You see, if we get all these leaks and we, we hide, they go hide too. Some of us may have to stand up and take the leaks, let the city strap. Because if we do that, you know, sometimes I don't hear these people coming on the young generation and say they ain't doing this bad example. We set bad example for the young generation. When you see pastor, eh? pastor is the minister right hand, and pastor doing all the wrong things. You expect them to go to church? Them children should be like the mother. Them children goes to be like the grandparents. You tell them, well, look, I'm working hard for you. Them children seeing what is happening. You know, our parents just tell us God is love and. Pray and when you're dead, it will be better. We can tell this generation that. So we have to guide them and make sure that they ain't take charge before we go. Because they take charge. All of us going down to. With all these wicked people, we would be going down to because they wouldn't be able to take it anymore. If you want to understand that, you must have the gods to go around when you hear you have a little activity, somebody have a little activity. You would see the action and the reaction of this set of people. They are frustrated and they feel like they're in jail. And it will show up in the future coming. You will see they exploding. And the government sit down there and thinking, well, only talking about that COVID this, COVID that. Between me and you, more people dying from plenty of things. <laughs> Sometimes they don't understand. These people don't understand. People give priority to where the issue is. And if you know cancer are killing more people, why would you worry about COVID? <laughs> and that is the reason why our people are taking the vaccine because people
people don't see the need. You understand? We don't say that the, the vaccine will help, but if you if you're not doing things to make it to help me, we are suffering most. Some people prefer death than suffering. Some people prefer death than suffering. Yes, some people are taking separation. Let me die rather than suffer. So, COVID come, COVID don't come, it don't matter. There are some people that tell me that this country is different from other countries that I know, that people see the thing totally different. And why? Because of the democracy in the system. Because you tell them one thing and you do it all. We see a lot around in South Carolina, and they are serious. <coughs> so, brothers and sisters, I know I have my feeling. I don't really pension. I want to give you courage because there are people suffering more than us. You know? So, we have to stand up and let them see what we're fighting for. It's for them. So, please, don't give up the fight. I know a lot of public servants, they don't make you union again. See my wife. You see me and you see me and see go. And no matter what you tell them, they don't bother them. What come come? We go and sleep today. They enter where they have tomorrow. They will pass on you. No longer see for tomorrow. And who bring it on them? Our oh, uh, people that bring it on the same youth that we complain about. Thank you, brothers and sisters. I hope that when we live here and those who listen will spread the news. And let, let people know that we have people suffering. Only, only like what you tell us, everything is okay. Here now is Mr. Ali Dowden. Good morning, Blossom, and good morning to Grenada, Karaku, and Petit Martinique, and all of your viewers and listeners in both in TV land and radio land. It's really great to be here with you. Um, my humblest apologies for my lateness. Um, that was due to technical difficulties. Um, so it's not me being wanting to be late. So my humblest apologies. Understood. Technology doesn't always work with us when we want it to. But I appreciate better late than never. That's the saying. Better late than never. So thank you once again. Okay. Um, thank you for having me. Mr. Dodden will start with St. George Northwest. Um, as I introduced, you are... <clears throat> currently still are the caretaker for St. George Northwest. Um, um, and I guess the question can be, come next general election, uh, do, you, do you still have the desire to contest the seat? What are your future plans for your future political plans in the constituency as well as in the party of the NDC? <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> one time, do I want, time. <laughs> do, do I want to let that out right now? I am not so sure, but Up this is what I will how I will how I will answer. Um, <clears throat> as it relates to St. George Northwest, I continue to remain very much invested in that constituency and in the well-being and the development of the constituency. Of course, when I entered politics back in 2010, that's the year I entered. Um, but of course ran on an NDC ticket um, for the 2013 general election. My focus have been on St. George Northwest and the developmental plans that I share for that constituency because I believe that a lot is lacking in the constituency and that more can be done, especially in the area of human development and empowerment of all people. 
and not and and of course the infrastructural aspect of course i have given that constituency um i've run in that constituency on two occasions i have not been successful but of course i have had many victories in terms of i've seen an increase at the poll um as compared to my competitor who has decreased compared to 2013 he got less votes in 2018 while i got more i improved considerably in all the polling divisions um was able to strengthen the constituency branch in more than one way bringing on new members as it relates to me currently um i do not have pl- any plans to run in st george northwest in the next coming election unfortunately um i am assisting the party in actively seeking out a caretaker that will take the baton from me and and continue but of course i would remain there in terms of supporting at the constituency level and whoever that new caretaker would be um while i i i set my my goals on on a new challenge so to speak but of course i remain in the politics i remain with the party and more than likely i am hoping that i will run next election 2023 or if it's sooner but um i'm not looking for st george northwest to run in st george northwest at this point in time how successful has the search been so far for your possible replacement because i would imagine anybody who wants to run for uh, st george northwest against prime minister mitchell needs as they say intestinal fortitude and a lot of people may be intimidated or daunted by that prospect um have you seen people shying away from that contest or people willing to step up to the plate Well at least so far um we have had at least two individuals one male and one female showing interest um these both individuals are new faces to the politics um uh, i mean of course they've been around in terms of national development um to a greater capacity but not necessarily in frontline politics so i would say there's an interest of course there's a hesitancy as well because of course one must admit that it is the most difficult constituency um short grenada caribou and pitimatnik um and it's difficult on several fronts um the the challenge for resources the challenge for for manpower and the support and so forth but at least um whoever is taking over from me um they would be in a much better position in terms of they would not have to start from scratch because um over the years we were able to to at least um accomplish many things acquire many things at the constituency branch in terms of our equipment and so forth that we would need both to run an office and an, and an election campaign but yes there there are interests presently there 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 are two people before before the party that is that is showing interest so i'm hoping that there'll be more you know so it will it it will competition is is very much welcome and and it's healthy for democracy Um you let's speak now about your your time as caretaker for St George Northwest representing the NDC. Um being a member of the St George Northwest constituency. What are your thoughts on the representation of the constituency? What Prime Minister Mitchell or how he represents the constituency um as well as how has this experience helped Ali? as a person as a man somebody with aspirations whether it be political or otherwise 
Well, for me, uh, first of all, um, let me let me start off for me. Um, I welcome any challenge. Um, I believe it has strengthened me politically, and it has caused me to mature. Um, I, I, of course, having run in two elections, I have that political experience now. I understand um, how to run a campaign. I understand the process of canvassing and registration and its importance, and of course, your election day machinery, the importance of that and how to organize at the constituency level. And of course, being in a challenging constituency as in George Northwest, where there were little manpower um, and, and financial resources, and you still have to run a campaign to the best of your ability. And I believe the last campaign, um, if anyone take an objective look, they would realize that we ran a great campaign in St. George Northwest, hence the reason, the reason our results were, were much better. As a matter of fact, um, once the election bell was rung, um, that same night, all paraphernalia, everything just went into gear. By the time someone passed the next morning, they realized that Northwest was yellow all over in terms of our banners and flags and, and so forth. So we were, we were ready um, to go. Um, so, so for me, I've, I've matured in that sense and I've gained that political experience. And now I believe I can now use that and either transition into another constituency um, or at least work with other caretakers in other constituencies, um, especially those who would be new and coming in and I can use my political experience to help guide them and assist them. So of course, that they can be winnable in the upcoming election. And so that is that is the way that I am looking at it from this perspective. Um, how can I be of greater service um, and not just to St. George Northwest? Of course, as it relates to St. George Northwest and the current MP, I believe that much more could have been done and still can be done as an MP who has served the constituency for over 36, going on 37 years thereabout and not just served as an MP who spent most of his time in opposition where he may not have had the resources or just as a minister in someone else's cabinet. But of course he was the, the head of the cabinet, the prime minister. And if you go around, there's not much that, can, that, that one can show um, in terms of development in St. George Northwest. Um, I am grateful, however, that in this term that he is serving, that we're seeing the low-income Chinese housing project taking place in Buseju. Um, housing remains a great challenge in St. George Northwest, and I'm hoping that many of the people that will end up with a home in St. George Northwest in, Buseju, in the Buseju Hills, um, that it, the, the people will come from St. George Northwest. Um, and not we just take people from other constituencies and bring them in. Yes, everyone needs housing, but um, St. George Northwest is, a, is especially within the Buseju, the Grand Mall, Brisan areas, there's a great need for housing and quality housing. Of course, under the BNTF, I am very much happy and I, I thank the government um, and of course him being the MP for ensuring now that there is a proper child development care facility um, within the Buseju community that would serve the areas of Happy Hill, Buseju and Brizan. That's the new preschool that was built. Um, if people go back to my campaign in 2013, this was one of my 
my um, my clarion calls during both election campaigns and promise that the people of Busseju, Hapil, Brisand, they deserved to have a proper facility. When you look at, first of all, you start at Brisand, the students, the preschoolers, they, they, they use the downstairs of a community center. And I do not believe that that was the ideal environment. It did not have the room whereby these students can have a playground, a play facility that they can go and they can run about. Plus the area of a community center, I, I, I see community center that it should be more used as resource centers. Um, and the way that it was functioning, it was just not functioning in that manner. Then, of course, the major um, issue that I had was this old society hall in um, Happy Hill that, of course, was being used as the preschool and is still being used as the preschool currently. But I'm hoping that in September, um, the students will transition into their new facility. Um, the roof in that in that facility was still might in, infected and when the rain fall you could see many holes in the ceiling and of course water coming it was just not the ideal place at all and you're talking about it took him 36 years in order to to build that that facility um but we give credit to to the to bntf and these these are the um, institutions to ensure that that the facility took place and 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 honestly um i'm grateful that that um that at least he bought into my vision and the government bought into my vision and now the people of Bustaju, Hapil and Brizan actually have a proper preschool. Um, there's much more that needs to be done. Um, only two nights ago, I was reviewing his campaign promise made, um, and it's actually someone sent it to me um, from GBN that brought it in a news clip. Um, whereby he promised the Jones Road that was going to be widened and made two lanes um, well, we see what happened in 20, end in 2019 when that road fell apart in Moline. And of course, um, had Dr. Mitchell kept his promise and started to work on that road, maybe the, you know, the back road in Jones Road would have been in a much better condition now. Um, he spoke about the Mondo Road that is still left um, undone. Then he spoke about, you know, this, this sporting complex in Buseju. Um, we have had Ivan since 2004. Nothing has been done to the Buseju um, playing field area. You know, the pavilion is still undone. The basketball court is in dire need of repairs. Um, the basketball court in, in Cherry Hill is also in dire need of repairs. Um, so when you look at the sporting facilities, when you look at the educational facilities, um, housing, healthcare, there's a lot that, that, that's left to be desired for a constituency that has been represented by the Prime Minister for over, for over 36 years as an MP. Um, you go throughout the region and you look at other, other constituencies like Ralph Gonzalez and Kenny Anthony, um, Denzel Douglas, these constituencies where they were MP and also they, they represented, they were also the prime ministers. And you realize that their constituencies are far gone. There's actually constituencies here in Grenada that that was only represented by MPs, never had a prime minister coming from that constituency. And they're far gone in the developmental trust. And so I believe that there is there is a, a need for new leadership at the constituency um, level, and and I'm and I'm hoping one day, um, you know, be it me or, or whoever, and be it someone on the NNP side or the NDC side, um, when 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 that that transition takes place and someone else becomes the MP one day, that hopefully they can try and make up for lost time because I believe it's our people that that are being left behind. Um, sadly, and that remains one of my my passion. You know, I, I believe in strengthening 
um, local governance structures. There should be village councils. There should be constituency councils, you know, um, and, and empower them to help empower the villages and the constituency on a whole and not leave it up to the MPs. And that's the problem. If we empower our people and we put the proper structures in place, then all the work would not be left for an MP to do. And there would always be that succession planning. So I believe we have to go back and, and, and look at putting structures in place and empowering our people. And, and I believe if MPs can do that in their various constituencies, that constituencies will go a very, very long way. Now, earlier you spoke of wanting to bring greater service. Um, and that reminds me of a, a question that a lot of people may have and a lot of uh, thoughts that they have in terms of the leadership of the National Democratic Congress. A lot of people believe uh, younger blood is needed to run the party. Um, and going off of your, your intention of greater service, is this something that you have considered running or contesting for political leader of the NDC or serving on an, an, an executive position on the party? Um, the thought has not crossed my mind, to be quite honest, for the position of political leader. I believe that I still have a long way to go in my um, whole personal development, both educationally and, and otherwise. I believe that there are a lot of other people out there that is uh, more qualified than me, um, that are also as equally genuine as, as I am to represent the people of Grenada, Caracu, and Petit Martinique. And so once those people come forward, I am willing to give them their support. Of course, I'm willing to play a much greater role in the, um, the affairs of the party. And so, of course, um, come convention, I definitely will be putting myself up for a post on the executive because I continue to believe that um, we need to see more young people. Um, we have a lot of young people within the party, but we need to see more young people within the leadership structure of the party. I mean, on the management, we do have at least three young people on management. On executive, we have a number of them. Um, but of course, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I think a lot is riding on the upcoming convention. Um, and, and you should see uh, a revamp executive with new faces, both, both young and not so young, but a mixture of, of, of synergies and, you know, um, with those who are experienced and those who have the energy and the vitality. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being part of the program and uh, show. Look forward to having you next week again.